Tommy, man, you, you, uh, to Americans who don't know you, because I think a lot of Americans, it was Steve Bannon, yep. uh, who was working with Trump in the White House, he referred to you as a hero. Hmm. What's your relationship like with Steve Bannon? Um, I'm grateful to Steve Bannon. So basically, so I, start, I started my activism in 2009, where I'm from a town called Luton Town. Luton Town is 30 miles north of London. When I was born in 1982, there was one mosque. There's now 45. So I've watched the demographics change. I've watched the aggression, the hostility from the Islamic community. I've also seen, because Luton's one of the most multicultural towns in Europe, it has every, people from every background. And there was one problem, and it was the Islamic community. It was, they wouldn't integrate, wouldn't assimilate. There was obviously not every Muslim. There were some beautiful people, some people I love that are Muslim in, from, from that town. But per se, there were problems. I started an organisation called the English Defence League. We took to the streets, protesting across the country about issues that everyone else was too scared to talk about. This is going back to 2009. So this is way ahead of the curve of what people are talking about now. Uh, we started warning the public about things. And my first interaction came with Steve Bannon when I was imprisoned in 2017. Um, I was outside a court case in Leeds and I was discussing the fact that there was 30, I believe 30 Muslim men on trial for raping hundreds of young English girls. I was taken from outside the court case for reporting and I was sentenced to 13 months in prison within two hours. The judge pulled me in, said, get him in here. I was asking, I said, how do you feel about your verdict? Does the rapist are walking into court? And um, the judge called, took me inside and just sent me straight to jail for 13 months. And once he sent me to jail, he put a reporting restriction on anyone knowing I was in jail. Now this blew up because Americans could report, Australians could report, because I was just taken off the streets and to the British public, I'd gone missing. Where, where is it? We've seen him be arrested. What's going on? And no one was allowed to report. The judge was stopping the, the press from reporting. So then it became knowledgeable that I was given 13 months in jail. Um, there was then a movement started to free me. It's called the Free, it was a Free Tommy movement. 600,000 people signed a petition to the British government to say I needed to be released from jail. 30,000 people marched on parliament. Protests went from America to Australia. Uh, Germany, every country in Europe. Politicians began speaking out. Trump's, um, I think it was, was it Brownback, the ambassador to the UK? Donald Trump got him to pressure the British government. And Steve Bannon spoke up on my behalf a lot of that time. And whilst I was in jail, Steve Bannon was in the UK and he was on a radio show and he declared then that I was a hero. And he got in a big argument with Nigel Farage because he said that they were, they were dismissing me because of my class. Basically, it was along those lines. Um, we have a class issue in the UK. Um, if you're from a poorer background or you speak a certain way or didn't go to the, the top schools, they seem to think your, your, um, your opinion doesn't matter. And if you say certain things, they, they like to deem it as a racist or extremist. So that's my, so my relationship with Steve. I admire Steve Bannon. I admire his intelligence, um, his planning, his attempts to save America. So yeah, this, this week, another, our ex-Prime Minister was in, on Steve Bannon's show in America and they were talking about Rochdale. Rochdale's a town in the UK. And Rochdale's about to, there's, a, there's an election there this week, and they believe that Islamic extremist groups and its supporters of Islamist ideology will win that election. Now, that in that same town, we had hundreds of young girls kidnapped and taken by Muslim rape gangs. There's been a big report on it recently. And the whole discussion about the election is about Gaza. It's not about the English girls that have been raped. And Steve Bannon was talking to Liz Truss, our politician, about that. And at which point, when she spoke about Rochdale, he said, Rochdale, is that not the town where Tommy Robinson and heroes like him stood up against the rapists? That's all he said. And, then, um, and there's been calls for her to be kicked out of Parliament because she didn't, she didn't criticise me. So, but yeah, that's my relationship with Steve Bannon. I admire him, I respect him. As a, as a, as a British person, 
when you see what's happening in the United States uh, with Donald Trump and all the litigation, the lawfare, what, what do you... What, how, what do you think about that? Because you have your own issues here with lawfare, is that right? Um, yes, totally. Everything we have here, it's happened here before it's happened there. Yeah. So in 2010, after I started the organisation called the English Defence League, I realised the problems that are embedded in every town and city in this country, and those problems come from open border immigration, and they're real problems, and they're really going to affect your, your country. So in 2009, I attempted to fly to the New, New York. I was stopped at the airport, and I was deported. And I was told straight by the, by the people at the airport, by the security, that the British had told them not to let me in. Now, I felt I had a very important message to give the United States of America. As I said, I'm not talking about things I've read. I was born in Luton. I've seen the demographical change. I've seen the effects. I know Americans talk a lot about their, their, their immigration from Mexico. You ain't seen nothing. Like, you really need to brace yourselves for Islamic immigration. So I, I come to America then in 2010. I illegally entered America. Um, I, I, Mexico? No, I I took my friend's passport. Oh, okay. And I got I got to JFK and I got out of the airport on September the tenth. I come to speak at an event in New York, an event organised by Pamela Geller, and I gave a speech called a warning to America. And what I explained is that I only wish that someone come to Britain thirty or forty years ago, and warned us through experience of what will happen with Islamic immigration. And not just what will happen with the problems from the Islamic community, but the way your government will pander to them, the way their block vote will become more important to yours, the way they will have such an influence with such low numbers. So I went to America and give that, and, um, and, what I, and everything, I, everything I've predicted. So at the time of my activism in 2009, I was hated. 2010, hated. 2011, hated. I was called a uh, fear mongerer, that I'm making things up. Now, everything I, I warned about and everything I said has now been proven to be correct. There are gangs of Muslims in every town and city literally being given permission to kidnap and take our daughters, rape them, torture them, murder them in many cities. Uh, the police stood idly by. There was a conspiracy of government, church leaders, political leaders, religious leaders. All of them conspired together to suppress this crime and to facilitate and accommodate it. And the reason now being, in 2015, the government done a report in a town called Rotherham where the report actually identified 1,400 young girls were raped by these gangs, just in Rotherham, yeah? in one small English town. And it found that the police were fully aware of it. Every institution that was there to protect the children were fully aware of it. The reason the police didn't prosecute or arrest the men, they didn't even arrest the men, was the fear of being branded racist. So you have to say that out loud if you're American, yeah? you have to really think about this. Officers, entire police forces, entire government, uh, government bodies, the fear of being branded a racist paralysed them in their action and allowed, they stood by and watched as a generation of children were tortured and raped. They were more fearful of being called racist than doing their job. And if anyone ever asks you what is the power of political correctness, that is the power of it. It paralysed our entire country. And it continues to do so. How many people speak freely, really? Not in our country, you can't speak freely. And you lose your job, you, there's threats, there's violence. I say, we talk about free speech, and, and it's never been free. It's never, ever been free. So many people, millions of people have died and sacrificed in order to preserve and protect. So we have freedom of speech. But it's not free if it has consequence either. And it has big consequence now. If you speak openly and honestly, and you, to get you back to lawfare, I face lawfare. I, since my activism in 2009, there's not been one single moment of my life since that point that I've not been awaiting a court case in prison. 
I'm sat now. I'm going, I'm, I'll be in jail next month. Um, do, do you have is in the United States right now? We have uh, something called pronouns, where a man can identify as a woman. Yeah. You can identify as a cat. You can identify as whatever. Is that is that big here? It's in, huge. In the British. Well, it's okay. huge. The reason it's big here, and the same reason it's big in America, is because it's being pushed by the same people. This isn't a mistake. None of this is a mistake. This is organized, it's orchestrated, it's coming from the top. So you have it's, pronouns here too? We have deal. pronouns here now. So all the big corporation and companies <laughs> are now put, forcing their employees to put their pronouns on their badges, on their emails. As I said, it comes from the top, it trickles down. It's about polluting, uh, polluting and destroying the next generation, confusing them, creating weak, feminized men. Um, a generation well, of lost children are coming. Well, if a man identifies as a woman and he rapes another woman, would you call that rape or just a cat fight? Well, it's like, it's like I say, well, what jail is he going to? Like, it's a man. And, and the, the fact the newspapers report them as women and the fact that, the fact that this, is, this mental illness and this, we're even accommodating yeah. it, facilitate, we're even, we're even discussing it. Yeah. But the, do you know in my son's school, there are now near on 60 children who are, who are in, trans in the process of transitioning. In my son's school, 60 who are in the process of transitioning and they are giving drugs to young children that will forever damage them and when they forever damage those young children not only have they have they have they created a weak member of society anyway but they've created someone who for the rest of their life are reliant on big pharma feeding them yeah with continued drugs and continued drugs well, it's like a business that they don't do not care that they're destroying into an entire generation of children tommy as someone who's the voice of england i mean we were just at we were just eating and, uh, and like, you know, just in that short period, we were sitting down together, several people kept coming up and they really, you know, they, they respect you, you know, I could feel that. So um, do you think it's bad if a woman has a dick? A woman doesn't have a dick. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so we shouldn't even entertain it. It's a, a woman doesn't have a dick. It, you mean you've got a man who's confused or he's a paedophile? Or, or, or he's a degenerate and he wishes to, he wishes to call himself a woman, but I'll, I'll, I'll never call him a woman, he's a man. You've taken a, you've taken a pretty big stance on uh, Israel. What do you think it is that has made you so empathetic to what's happening in Israel as a British man? Do you feel your country is under an invasion? Oh, we are under an invasion, I don't think. So is your country. The United States is under an invasion. The entire West is under an invasion. Um, it's an orchestrated and organised invasion. It's planned. When we talk about Israel, because I get a lot of flack for being pro-Israel. I get a lot, a lot of flack. I ask a lot of people. So when people are pro-Palestine, yeah. I ask them, have you been there? Just a simple question. Have you been there? I went to Israel. Yeah? I went to Israel. Um, when I went to Israel, I paid young Arabs. I was leading the English Defence League at the time. The English, I was the most vocal anti-Islam voice in Europe. Yeah? The most hated, yeah? the most famous person who speaks against it. I went to Israel, I met young Arab Muslims and I paid them to take me into a Fatah controlled refugee camp. I've got videos of it. Yeah? So I went, when I went to Israel, you know, you get to the point, says, I don't know, do not pass here. You know all the places where you can't go. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I just went and thought, well, that's where I want to go. Yeah? Yeah. I want to go there. I want to hear. I want, and and I, the reason I went is because I went and spent time with Jews. I went to the, um, the disputed territories. I, went, I went, went to ask people and understand what's going on here. Yeah? 
and to hear their voice. So I wanted to hear the Muslims' voice. Yeah? I wanted to meet the Muslims in refugee camps. So I'm walking around this refugee camp with this, with this fourth generation refugee. And I, I keep saying, who's oppressing you? Yeah? And I'm expecting him to say Israel. And he says, the Palestinian Authority. I said, the Palestinian Authority, what do you mean? And as we're walking around, and I've got the video, there's all murals on the sides of these buildings and houses. I said, who's she? He said, she blew up a bus in Israel. Yeah. Okay, okay. So she's a terrorist. Right. Who's she? But they didn't call them terrorists. They called them Mar he called them Mars. Yeah? Who's she? And I went, who's he? And they're all famous people. They're all people who have left this refugee camp. They've gone on to kill. And he correct me because he said, so basically the Palestinian Authority give a lifetime wage to anyone who comes out of these out of Palestine and kills an Israeli. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah. So they kill an Israeli. And I said, so if you could leave this camp and kill a Jew. And he said, no, 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 not a Jew. An Israeli. I said, what do you mean? He said, it doesn't matter if it's a Jew or, Jew or not a Jew. Yeah? If, you, if you leave this camp and kill Israeli, the Palestinian Authority pay you, say, the equivalent of £5,000 a month for the rest of your life. So as I walked around this camp, he kept saying, don't fund free Palestine. And I'm thinking, this is a Muslim in Palestine, yeah? fourth generation refugee. And out of everyone I met on that trip to Israel, I related with him more than anyone else I met. He was like me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not from. A, I'm from a poor town. Yeah, working class town. I related with him. I got on with him. And as I walked around, I said, um, as we walked around, he said, he said, because I think Palestine had had two or three times more money than Germany after the World War. Yeah, but in the refugee camp we was in, I said, where's the park? And I was playing football with the kids. Yeah, I said, where's the park? He said, there is no park. I said, how can there be no park? Yeah, the amount of money that comes into it. For, for, the, for these refugees. And he said, he said, uh, he didn't know my name was Tommy, he said, listen, we will forever be refugees. My children will be refugees. There will be fifth, sixth, seventh generation refugees because the Palestinian Authority will forever keep us as refugees. And do you know, he said, because the money they receive for us, yeah? And they don't spend the money on us, they spend the money on weapons. And he's telling me this, and I recorded all of it. And when I got back to Israel, when I got back to Safe Zone with him, I sat down with a camera like this and I said, can I tell you who I am? And the camera's on him, and, and he said, who are you? I said, have you heard of the English Defence League? He said, yeah, I have. I said, I'm the founder and leader of the English Defence League. And he was shocked, and he seemed upset, and he was like, why? I said, because I had to hear from you. And what I've heard from you is you're not oppressed from Israel. You're angry with the Palestinian Authority, your own government. Yeah? And, he, and, and, and I said, and you've corrected me on lots of things which I was not aware of. So I went there and I listened and I learned and I spent time. I spent time with another lady, Kay, Kay Wilson. She was a British lady who, there was a terrorist attack. They, they macheted her up there. They killed the other girl with her. The Jewish girl got murdered and killed. Um, no, the, no, a Christian woman got murdered and Jew, killed and Kay, Kay, they butchered as well. So I spent time with her. I stayed with her for days. I went to the border. Um, I was on the Golan Heights and I asked Arabs. That's a beautiful area. I was on the Golan Heights, but it's when the war was going on. So yeah. bombs are going off. We we're watching the bombs go off in Syria. Yeah. And I, every Muslim I met, I asked him, I said, are you oppressed, bro? Like, tell me. And he just laughed, yeah. And he said, brother, I said, Jay goes, I've got everything I want in Israel. He said, I pray five times a day. Yeah. He said, I pray five times a day. I go to my mosque. Yeah. He said, where do you think I want to be in Syria? He pointed over to where the war was going on. He goes, many people, you know, many people don't realize I love Israel. My family was from Jerusalem. Uh, but I also have Iranian family who f my family in Iran fled Iran to come to the, to the United States. As I, you know, we were talking about this, yeah. but um, an American saved my grandfather's life. His middle name was Muhammad. He married a Jewish woman. The last name, her family had Cohen. And back then, Iran was a rich country. We had a great relationship with Germany, Israel, 
the UK, United States, we fled that horror. So today, what you're seeing is a hard left that has largely romanticized the regime in Iran. Oh, which no. is which is which is which is really just which is the most oppressive pretty crazy, pretty the crazy. most oppressive the most abuse of human rights the abuse of women the only real feminists that I've witnessed that I can remember in my life are the women of Iran that when we talk about feminism these women are taking their headscarves off and getting killed and murdered and imprisoned and they're still taking their headscarves off and they're still coming out and whilst they're coming out they're getting the so-called feminists over here third wave feminism are condemning anyone third wave feminism yeah, yeah me and my my uh they're yeah, condemning anyone yeah. for talking about talking out. It's like we, they're calling us extremists and they're all putting on hijabs for the day. It's like these women are dying to take their hijab off. Yet here you are romanticizing again the yeah. oppression of women. My friend, my friend Warren actually studied about third wave feminism. It's actually real. That, that is a very real concept. They just hate men. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you know, there are a lot of Arabs in Israel that do well. And there are a lot of Arabs in Israel. A lot of people don't know that. There's two million Arab Muslims in Israel. You know, I, got, I agree with you on the dangers of Islamic immigration. Um, in college, an Indian guy moved into an apartment next to me. And every night he would make curry. And it, and it really smelled like shit. And it, no, Tommy, it got to the point where no woman would want to come and sleep over. <laughs> so, no, but so, so honestly, I, I agree with you on the dangers of <laughs> Islamic immigration. Yeah. <laughs> Oi, I love a chicken korma, man. Yeah. Even though it was created here as well. We, we created the chicken yeah. tikka masala in Scotland, didn't we? A lot, a lot of people, just so you guys know, <laughs> Dale, uh, Dale Hardiman, a mutual friend of ours, he said Tommy and I would get along and he nailed it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think he nailed it. So, you know, so let me ask you this. What, uh, what do you think Israel should do to protect itself, but also have a good relationship with the Palestinians. What would you tell Benjamin Netanyahu? Well, what I'd, tell, what I'd ask is, say we have England and we have Scotland. Yeah. So on the border. So we have England and we have Scotland. And you have IRA too, right? Or the IRA is Ireland, yeah. Oh, Ireland. And they're gone now anyway. They're so gone. They're gone, yeah. They're Do a lot of those guys like you? Because it seems like everybody likes you here. Um, no. So crazily enough, so my mum's Irish, but the IRA would hate me. Yeah. The Republican side, that, that side would hate me because I'm pro-British, I am British, I'm English, even though my mum's Irish. Um, and actually what's happening is the Sinn Féin, the political party of the IRA, are the ones opening the borders and they're, they're actually Marxists. They call themselves nationalists, but they're not. They're pro-open borders. They're the ones flooding Ireland at the minute against the interest. So for the, the IRA fought a war for, what, 100 years? British out, British out, everyone else in. It's like British out, Africa in. British out, Somalia in. It's insane. Yeah. What's currently happening now in Ireland is insane. I think there's a mass awakening going on there. People that they're being, their leaders are, um, are working against them and working against their interests. But yeah, but I, well, I, I always look at it compared. So I say to English people, so England, Scotland, right? Now imagine Scotland elected a government because this is what happened here. Imagine Scotland elected a government that says on their on their manifesto because on Hamas's manifesto it says the final day of judgment does not come until all the Jews are dead. It doesn't say the Zionists. So say Scotland elected a government that says the final day of judgment does not come until all the English are dead, and forty eight percent of the Scottish pu Scottish population voted for them. Yeah, so nearly half, literally half of the country voted for them, and then these fuckers in Scotland keep firing mortar propelled grenades every day into England. And as you're trying to enjoy your life, 
you keep getting these rockets blowing up on your house and innocent people, they're not going for military targets or police stations, they're going for families and blowing shit up. What would the English people be saying? We'd be saying, fucking blow them up. Get rid of them. And, and what we'd be certainly be saying, get rid of that Scottish government, yeah? So, and then, imagine this, that they come over the Scottish border and they just grab kids and women, they murder 1,400 people in one day, they, this is the government of Scotland, yeah? Then they go back to Scotland and then wow. say, whoa, ceasefire. It's like, fuck off. There is no ceasefire. We're going to fucking get every one of you. That's what we'd be telling our government. Our army would be saying, go in there and hunt down every fucking one of them. Get every last one of them. Yeah, that's what we'd be saying as Englishmen. If I, we had to watch videos, I've watched the videos. If you haven't and you want the people that keep being an apologist for Hamas or the Palestinian cause, watch the fucking videos. All right. Watch what they've done. There's a video of one woman getting raped with her kids next to her. They're all raping them. Yeah. So they're raping them. If you go through the records, raping them with knives, with weapons. And this isn't just what the thing that people don't understand or when you go back through I've spoke about this since 2009, yeah? I said in interviews in 2010, if Israel falls, we all fall. That's what's going to happen here, yeah? In, in, in the UK, do you have a lot of Israelis that, or Japanese or um, Koreans that immigrate here and, here and rape the women? None, per se, none. Have you heard of it? Have you heard, when's the last situation in the news you heard of a Korean... Chinese, Japanese, or an Israeli raping a British woman? No, they haven't. So the, the figures are, the figures are, Muslim men make up 2% of the British population, yeah? They are responsible for 90% of the convictions of gang rape. 2% responsible for 90%. 30% of the men convicted for gang rapes of young children are called Muhammad. 30%. So again, you're not allowed to ask these questions. Why are the Sikhs not doing it? Why are the Hindus not doing it? Why are the Jews not doing it? Why is it this group? And then if you want to go through each attack, so we can look at what's just happened with Palestine. When they done the Black Hand Theatre attack in Paris, which again was refugees into Europe, when they done that, they had them inside this theatre for hours, yeah? They stood and they lined them all up and they made them watch one by one as they cut off the men's genitals and then they put them in the next one's mouths. They took the women and they raped them with knives. The, in, in the Kenyan massacre, in the shopping mall, they've done exactly the same, yeah? So what's happening in Palestine and what the Palestinians has done is no different to what ISIS has done. It's no different to the attacks that happen in Europe. It's, not, it's the same ideology. Now, Hamas's leaders have already said, and I try to, again, say to people, to the people who are on the Palestinian cause, yeah? Or to the people who just don't like Israel or don't like Jews or any of this. I try to say to them, like, think about it, yeah? Look how emboldened they become after October 7th. Look how confident they are on the streets of every Western capital. All of our capitals, it's not theirs, it's all of our nations. Look how confident they are in calling for the gassing of Jews. Look how confident they are in flying the ISIS flag, the Hamas flag, every terrorist symbol going. Look at the hate and venom coming out of them. It do, and that was with killing 1,400. Do you think, because there's been plenty of opportunities here, do you know the Seven Day War? You know the surrounding Islamic countries? Do you know what they told the Israelis? They told them, the leaders come out and give statements, we're coming for your women and children. We're going to enslave them. 
Yeah, because whenever Islam goes to war and Muslims go to war, part of the Quran, which is scriptured and tells them, they can take the women as war booty, as sexual slaves. So imagine being an Israeli, imagine being a Jew in Israel, you're surrounded by all these totalitarian, Sharivadrian shitholes, yeah, and what they're telling you is, we're going to come in and rape all your women and take them. You're not going to mess around, you're not going to play about, yeah. And, they, and, and Israel won that war. Now, that is what they seriously face. Now, what, what, again, if they killed 1,400, what does Europe think? If, say, Hamas were successful, and all these jihadist groups around them, were successful in taking Israel, and they massacred the Jews, do you think they're stopping there? Really? They want a worldwide caliphate. This is not about land. This is about killing the Jews, because the scripture tells them to kill the Jews. And what they want is a worldwide caliphate. They want here. They want Britain. They want Britain. They want, they, want, they want the whole of Europe. They've been attempting to conquer Europe for 1,400 years. The Battle of the Gates of Vienna in 1683 was on September the 11th. Do you want to go back and ask them what it was about? Was it about land? No, it was about Islamic conquest. Okay? If it wasn't for the Battle of the Gates of Vienna, it, for the Polish Fusiliers, if it wasn't for that, there would be no Christianity. It would have been wiped out. So these, there's so many battles, so many things we can learn from history. And this is just another part of history where Islam is trying to conquer. And, we're, and what we're witnessing, I said, this isn't about land, this is jihad. And, 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 and it's backed up by what Hamas leaders said straight after October 7th. The Christians are getting it next. First the Jews, then the Christians. That's not me saying it. That's what they said. First the Jews, then the Christians. Do you think that the Muslims in general do a better job at putting respect on their faith that Christians don't? Yeah, the, Islam, Islam, you have to... I've said, look, I speak negatively a lot of the time. I speak out against problems within Islam. But you do have to admire, simply, admire the strength they, 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 and the unwillingness to bend. Yeah. They will not budge at all. And just, I'll, give you, so I'll give you an example of a story on this, yeah? So when I set up the English Defence League, I was invited by the Bishop of Pontefract. So this is under the Queen, we have the bishops who who are part of the whole Church of England. They contact us and said, we want to sit around the table in a secret meeting with the leaders of the Diabandi sect of Islam, because MI5 predict that the Diabandis will control Great Britain. Yeah? The Diabandi sect, which is a very conservative sect of Islam, will be the, the main dominant sect of Islam in the UK. So the, the Muslim mullah that we met speaks at the Golden Dome Mosque in Israel. Yeah? In, um, so we went for this meeting. And I just speak frank. So when we went for this meeting, it was to, what's wrong? What's the problem? So I said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the problem. Don't worry. Yeah? I'll tell you every problem. But then the, the leader of the church, the, the bishop of Pontefract, his name was Tom Robinson as well. Actually. He actually said, he said, so we try and bring everyone together. He said, so we had a Christmas event together with the Muslims. I said, what, you had like a Christmas, a Christmas dinner? He said, yeah. I said, did you have wine? And he said, no, we didn't have wine. I said, so you had a Sharia-compliant Christmas dinner? You fuck, you had a Sharia-compliant Christmas dinner. Why didn't you have wine? Well, because they don't like wine. I said, what, well, they don't bend at all. They will not bend at all, yeah? You're bending, you're changing, you're changing your culture, you're changing your laws, you're changing your country's identity. You're bending everything, you're sacrificing everything, whilst Islam just goes full steam ahead. Because they ain't gonna move. And on the whole LGBTQ plus alphabet mafia, um, yeah, we'll, 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 yeah. on that, like you have to respect. And again, I, some people could watch what I say and believe, 
I do have very strong opinions about the Islamization of Europe. I believe we need to stop it. It has to be stopped. It's the most important battle we have here. Yeah? Now, when what, I... What about the LGBT, though? The LGBT, so, so basically, in a school in Birmingham, yeah. which is a massively Muslim-populated town, like majority Muslim, that's one of their biggest cities in the UK. In a school in, a school in Birmingham, there were some children. One of the Muslim children came home and said, it, it, was a, it might have been a boy, and said, Daddy, I can be a girl. And he said, what? So I can be a girl. Yeah? So the dad's looked at what's going on at school. So the Muslim parents have then got upset and they've all started protesting outside the school. Now, the media called them extremists Now, and started condemning all the parents. So I started looking at what they were talking about. And then I looked at the, the person in charge of education for LGBTQ. I can't remember their name off the top of my head now. The person in charge in this in, in the, the area of Birmingham, so the person who was pushing this into the education system, I found a speech they give five years prior. And in that speech, they spoke about smashing heteronormativity. So they say that this, they, so smashing heteronormativity. So this person wants to smash the idea of men being with women, break the family. Yeah, that's what they want to do. And here they are now five years later in charge of the education system in this city. So while saying it's about inclusivity, what we're doing is it's about inclusivity and diversity. No, it's not. Yeah, you've got your agenda and you're trying to enforce it on children. So with the Muslim community, I, I watched what was going on. And not, and not, real, real quick, real yeah. quick. If you had a son yeah. and he turned out to be gay, yeah. would you throw him in the trash or learn to love him? No, I'd love him, yeah. Of course I'd love him. Yeah. But if your son turns out to be gay, there's a difference between your son turning out to be gay and being seven or eight years old and having it forced in his head yeah. that he, he, he can be anything he wants. Yeah. And if boys are boys, girls are girls. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and a child at the age of eight and nine does not need to be sexualized or having these discussions. Now, when the Muslim parents done that, I drove to Birmingham and I knocked on the Muslim geezer's door. Yeah. So I knocked on his door and he's opened his door and he's Tommy Robinson. What, what are you doing here? I said, I come as a father. I'm here as a father, yeah? I've watched everything you've said, bro, and I agree with everything you're saying, yeah? And at the minute, you're being pigeonholed as extremist Muslims, yeah? There will be no better message to send than me, us aligning on this issue, yeah? We need to... Because I think, whilst I speak about the threat Islam poses, there will be no better community to ally with on, the, on preventing the LGBT um, plus mafia indoctrination of children than the Muslim community. Yeah. Yeah. They, will, they will not budge yeah? and you have to respect him on that and I've heard Andrew Tate talking about this as why he converted and etc he said like and he messaged me you know when he converted he messaged me saying yeah, yaks that's what my friends call me who grew up me in Luton yeah. he said would you so rather your son come home a Muslim or a tranny from school he said if your son come home from school a Muslim or a tranny I said neither he's coming home neither my son knows what he is yeah he, I'm not letting the education system bring him up bring him up or TikTok bring him up I bring him up he has my values installed in him, in him. Well, well, well you were talking about third wave feminism mm. uh, third wave women is third third wave feminism has women thinking they could literally just say anything they want and not get punched in the face do you agree? <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> Do I agree with what? With that part of third wave feminism. <laughs> I think third wave net feminism needs to be, um, I think it's a big problem. I think that men are, men are superior at certain things and women are superior at certain things. Yeah. But um, You have a good relationship with Andrew Tate. Uh, yeah. I do. I, you guys I, are both from Luton. We're both from Luton. Look, I am troubled immensely by his conversion. I'm troubled immensely by the comments he's made on social media. 
they're very damaging. They're a risk to the next generation who listen to him. Um, I believe he has spoke about escaping the, the matrix. So he's escaped the matrix, but you sign up to something like Islam that you can't leave. If Andrew Tate turned around tomorrow and said, I'm not a Muslim anymore, he's in more trouble than me. Yeah? He's in more trouble than me. He's got a bigger target on him than me because you can't leave Islam. Yeah? It's punishable by death. Many people will want to kill him. So that's not freedom. So we can't talk about, you can't talk about wanting freedom and, and escaping the, the matrix, the slavery of the matrix to join the slavery of Islam. And I've never heard Andrew, um, I believe Andrew is in a very difficult position. I believe that he must be under and must have been under at that moment in time, immense pressure. What was your first impression of Andrew and, and his brother Tristan when you met him and Luton before they became famous? Uh, I found them hilarious from day dot. So before they come famous, just so people know, yeah, I'm going, Andrew Tate has always done what he does now. He's always been provocative and in a funny way. I watched a message, it was Christmas. No, it was, it was Mother's Day. And he put up on Facebook saying, oh, did you ring your mum this morning and say, I love you, mum? Did you send her, a, did you send her a card? Did you give her flowers? Did you take her for dinner? And he listed all the things you would have done. Yeah? So everyone's going, yeah, I've done that, yeah, I've done that. He goes, if you did, you're a fucking loser. Yeah? He goes, you're a, you're a shit son, right? You're a shit son. He goes, you know what I've done? I said, mum, how much do you earn a year? She's 25 grand or whatever. He goes, yeah, I sent her 10 years wages. I said, retire, mum. He goes, that's what a proper son does. Yeah, so, and, and the comments are just, everyone, and the yeah. comments, everyone's going wild, man. And I'm sitting there laughing because oh, yeah. he's just trolling everyone. Yeah? He's yeah. just trolling everyone. And, um, but, but I got on Andrew, so you know um, Hardman, yeah? yeah. Hardman was a very well-respected lad in Luton, yeah. ex-Royal Marine, very intelligent. Yeah. He went from Royal Marine to MMA, MMA fighter to osteopath. Um, I take judgment. So I didn't know Andrew Tate like this, yeah? But I knew the people around him like this. Yeah. Aidan Patsleidis, um, who also went to that gym. Lots of lads who went to the Storm Fighting Gym, who I, I, I believe they I, I know them. They're great lads. And no one has had nothing negative to say about Andrew Tate until this raise of until he's become so big and then there's lots of people that are slagging him and saying him but I mean around the town no there was no one who said nothing negative about him you think you think the whole situation with the in Romania is a is a fraud I I think and I know that certain things that are being said about him there was one gentleman who there's an organization called hope not hate I've done a documentary on them yeah there's an organization called hope not hate now hope not hate pay people, blackmail people. They're like a dark, seedy organisation that operate, that do the things the police can't do. The police can't come and pay you to say something in court. They pay you, yeah? And then they once they paid you, you write your statement, then the police take the statement. So they make sure no one gets their hands dirty. They pay you to lie to the media. They don't just pay people, they blackmail them as well, yeah? So, and they are all, they are up. I believe they're MI5 pushed, yeah? I believe they're security services. Now, I know that someone who was under the influence of, it, of Hope Not Hate, this, gen, this lad, I, I, he's in my documentary, he was being blackmailed, they act, one of them raped him. Yeah, I've got covert recordings. One, someone within Hope Not Hate, Hope Not Hate are in with my government. Politicians lead this group, yeah? I mean, like, I've done a great expose, it's called Hope Not Hate Expose, you should watch the documentary. Now, I went to Romania to see Andrew Tate, and I went with other colleagues. Now, when all this blew up, one of the colleagues come out, probably under pressure from Hope Not Hate, and said that whilst he was in Romania, which is when I was there, that Andrew Tate had raped a girl that was with us. Now, 
I can only speak on what I know. Yeah? When I come out of my hotel room in the morning, that girl come out of Andrew Tate's hotel room and she stood on the door and kissed him and they were snogging and kissing, yeah? So I, wa I watched this personally, right? I watched her kiss him, snogging him, got back in the car, messaging him. I believe she went back out to see him, yeah? And then now, now when this all blew up, I believe she was being put in as, a, as one of the people who's been raped. It's like, I was there. I saw that. So when this story come out, if I, I know that's a lie, yeah? And I made a documentary called Panadrama. Um, I haven't been with Andrew Tate 24 hours a day. I can't, no one can sit and say about anyone else that they know 1 million percent, uh, 1 million percent everything about their life, yeah? But I know that that was a lie. I'd done a documentary called Panadrama, where I cope, Panorama is an investigative um, documentary from the BBC, it's their flagship programme. I found out they were working on a, a, a film to take me down. So I sent a girl undercover into Panorama. The lead journalist within Panorama's name was John Sweeney. I got him on camera. Yeah? I told the girl to go in and say she had a, a conversation between me and her recorded where I'm aggressive and swearing at her. Yeah? And it's an argument about something to do with work. He tells her that they're creating a sexual thing against me and that he can, he can take this recording. I've got it all on record. I've got him on camera saying it. Yeah? We can take that. We, and she says, yeah, but I say this. And he says, we can clip that out. Don't worry, we can clip that out. He goes, we can, make, we can make this into a sexual thing. They're trying to make me into a Harvey Weinstein. They were, and they put that on TV. Now that would have destroyed my life. It would have destroyed my family life. So I know the lengths that they were going to and the corruption there was to destroy me because they were worried about my influence. Now Andrew Tate's level of influence suppressed anyone else's in the world at that moment in time. Was he upsetting people? Yeah, these, these NGOs, these government organizations have worked for 30, 40 years to weaken men, to create a generation of absolute feminized pussies. And along comes Andrew Tate telling all the kids to get in the gym and be strong men and be, in, and, and be powerful and get fighting and be ready. And um, he would have ruffled a lot of feathers. So at that, with that, do I believe what I was being told? I said to my supporters, question everything. You know what they've done to me, but a lot of my supporters would now despise Andrew Tate. I mean, when you look at what- It was difficult. Well, we were talking about lawfare in New York, my city, New York. Uh, Donald Trump now has this uh, hard left prosecutor. Basically, she got her job because of a quota. You know, we have uh, these programs called DEI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, a quality inclusion. Which, which is a complete joke. So basically, we have an unqualified DA who didn't deserve to be there. She's there. Now she's making a case against Trump, which basically a lot of real estate developers have done what he's done anyway. You might as well go uh, get you know another million of them. You know, so now they're saying no one lost money. Yeah, yeah. So so now they're basically saying this guy has to put up let's say forty million dollars or whatever bail to not go to let's say jail. So now look at now let's look at Andrew Tate. Look look at the financial damages they've done to these two young men. But with Trump, you could say it's because of an election a presidential election. What do you think the real reason is that two, objectively speaking, I'm not gay, but I'm saying two handsome, athletic, intelligent, successful men would do something this silly. What do you think the real purpose is with, with the Tates? Uh, for them, I, I, well, everyone who is promoted on TikTok, Instagram currently. And you know them, you, you're yeah. from Luton. Yeah. What do I think their purpose is? Yeah, why do you think they're really... Who, who, who's pushing this against the tape? Against them. Yeah, in Romania, for example. 
In Romania, but it's not Romania, is it? It's, it's, it would be the United States. It'd be the, it, Romania would just be doing what they're told to do, I believe. Um, I know that some of the girls... I, I think that many of the influencers who are pushed forward as influencers, so they're not, they're not, they're not, they don't just organically become influencers on TikTok and social media. All the, it's all transgenders now, yeah? It's trannies, right? It's trannies or it's gays. The people they want talking to your young children are not physically fit men who are telling you to escape the education system, to not be slaves in the industry, to try and think outside the box. So I think that they would have um, upset a lot of people, Andrew and Tristan, and also they can't allow them to be a success. They cannot allow that. Uh, they cannot allow that. And what I said to Tate is, that, so you, you know you're talking about Donald Trump. So when I set up the English Defence League in 2009, they got warrants and they went through every single members, member of my family's finances. Now what they'd done, the British government did, and the police, what they'd done is they went back six years and they found a house. So my brother-in-law, who was an apprentice for my company, he bought a house in 2000 and say four, yeah? He bought, say it was 2004, bought a house. Now that house was 60,000 pounds. To get the mortgage in the UK, we have self-certification mortgages. So as long as you put down 20%, they don't, ask, they don't ask for proof of how much you earn. You write how much you earn. So he said he earned £20,000 a year, but he actually earned £10,000 a year. So he buys the house. He does the house up. He sells it. Four years later, yeah, four years later, they raid him, nick him. They nick me. Yeah, right? They get us into court. They prosecute us on mortgage fraud. And what they say is because he lied on his form, yeah, even though that mortgage company were paid back 100%, yeah, even though it's four years prior, because he lied on his form, and he got a mortgage to buy this property. When the property sold, yeah, that money becomes the proceeds of crime. So the money then goes into another property deal, yeah, from the mortgage where he said he earned more than he earned. Yeah, they're paid back, buys another property. Yeah, that is the proceeds of crime. They then hit us with a figure of, at the time, one hundred twenty-five thousand pounds. Yeah, so the mortgage company lost no money. Um, Self-certification mortgages were encouraged by the banks. That's what they were there for. As long as you put down 20%, you can get a mortgage and buy the house, yeah? they done that. They then prosecuted. I got eight, I was sentenced to 18 months in prison because he said he earned more on his mortgage form than what he earned, yeah? That lawfare happened to me in 2010. So, I, I, so what they've done with Donald Trump, he's like, no bank lost no money, yeah? People, we just said the, value, the property value was worth this. It's literally identical, but they done it to me in 2010. And then they took all my family members on stupid little things like that. And then I had to plead guilty, right? Or my wife was getting done, put in court for tax. And, and, no, and obviously I live under constant, I've had, I've had 12 Osman warnings by the British government. There's six Muslims in jail now doing 30 years. They got caught with guns and bombs on the way to kill me. So I've had serious death threats. Al-Shabaab have named me to be killed. Terrorist organizations want me killed. I've had all these things. No, everyone knows what I look like. Yeah? I'm a target. If I walk out now down the street, I'm a target. Yeah? People, I, there's lots of videos of me being violently attacked. But no one knows what my wife looked like. So then they were putting her in court on tax. So when she walks into court, she's, she's going to be as famous as me or the media. So I then had to, I had to succumb for, for a case that they had no evidence on me. And I had to take a plea deal and go to jail for 18 months so that they'd drop all my family and let my family off the court. So that blackmail from the state I've gone through it all. So I've been through the lawfare. That lawfare has never once stopped. Never once stopped. And the purpose of it is to set an example. So Andrew Tate, I said to him, bro, they are coming for you. Yeah? And do you know what they're coming for? Your money. Because once they prove, once they say the first bit of money you made was the proceeds of crime, every bit of money you made from that point on with that money is the proceeds of crime.
you're going to get hit for tens of millions, I think, yeah? And when you get hit for tens of millions, you pay the money or you go jail for longer. So I don't think they can, they can allow him to get off of it. And people talk about justice. There is no justice system. There's a legal system. And I can give so many examples of this. For example, you know, I just, I spoke to you about illegally entering America. When I illegally entered America, I got 10 months in prison. I spent 22 weeks on solitary confinement for two days in New York, yeah. Two fucking days. If I'd have known that, I'd have stayed there for months, right? But I come back to the UK. I was arrested on the motorway by the British police. The Americans didn't want to prosecute me. They held me straight on remand. So they put me on remand. So I used my friend's passport to go to America, 22 weeks on solitary confinement. A girl twice used her sister's and then some, another passport to try and leave the UK to join ISIS. She didn't even get done. She didn't even get done. All the terrorists have come into our country, uh, Abu Qatada, come into our country on a fake passport. Didn't get done. So when they want to manipulate the law or the sentencing, if you've got a target on you, like Donald Trump has, like Andrew Tate has, like Russell Brand has, when you've got a target on you, they can manoeuvre that law any way they want. They can change the context of what you've said or done. I've said, they've actually done this. I'm, I'm in the new documentary. I'll have a documentary out in three or four weeks called Lawfare. Lawfare, the British police state where I am going to, was it Dame Victoria Sharp? I think that was her name. She's a, she was the first female lead judge of the Old Bailey. I am going to humiliate her. Yeah? You are going to get to see that she is a liar. She's corrupt. She lied to you all about... So they sent me back to jail on another grooming offence. I, I was reporting on grooming. You know the case where I said they locked me up for 13 months. Um, it went to appeal. So after 12 weeks of solitary confinement, it got before a judge. Everything they'd done was unlawful. The words of the judge are, this entire case is flawed, let him out of prison. They let me straight out of prison. I, I lost 40 pounds in prison yeah, of, of weight. Yeah? I was in a bad way. I come out of jail with post-traumatic stress disorder. I had all these problems going on. They then, so I come out of jail, I'm out of jail. They then try to re-prosecute me on the case, the government do, on the same thing I've been released from, because everything they done was wrong. So then they took it back to court again. It went to the Old Bailey, the highest court in the land. The head judge at the Old Bailey just told the government, I'm not prosecuting him. Yeah. So I come walking out of court, there's thousands of people there, and I felt I'm free, yeah, I'm freed. That's it, I'm freed. I produced the documentary Panorama, so this is the flagship programme where I show their corruption. So basically, I got the girl to covertly record him lying, making up fake news, all these different things, being racist, being homophobic, everything they say about us. And then when they come to interview me for their documentary, they thought they were setting me up, and I had a screen on the wall behind me. So as all their producers are there, I, the first thing I asked him is, John Sweeney, the BBC, the, you're the biggest in, you're the biggest there is in the world, your programme, yeah? Would you ever tell anyone what to say in an interview, John? Would that be good journalism? He's like, no. I'm like, press play. And on the wall behind me, he's the covert recording of him saying, say this, say this, and say this, and we have a deal that's on the documentary. Yeah? And then I say, would you ever make up sexual allegations against a man, John? No, press play. Would you ever, and I went through, and, and his, his career finished, yeah? They never brought out the documentary on me. Now, I, I, I screened this film on a 50-metre screen outside the BBC's offices in, in Manchester. And when I put it online, it, it had 2 million views in 24 hours. And, and I'm showing this on the documentary I'm making now. Panadrama's produced. 48 hours later, I'm deleted from Facebook, Instagram, every single social media, YouTube, every single social media there is, clears me within a week, yeah? Then... I receive a letter from the Attorney General, I'm being re-prosecuted. Now remember, the judge refused to take it. They replaced the judge, I've got the dates. They replaced the judge with Victoria, Victoria Dame Sharp, the new female judge. I'm put before her, 
on my case, yeah, on her first case. Right? She sends me to jail, sends me back to jail. Now, what she says, and, I, and I've got the video, I, I, this is all, people will be able to watch this in the documentary. I'm outside court and I'm talking to journalists. And what I say to the journalists is, look, instead of following me, because I know, and then I cut in a video. So I was in London and I was with my family and about half a mile away, I could see someone, in, I could see someone bloke in the bush and he's got a long lens camera. So he's photographing my family. So I, I, I get in my car and I cut him off and I block his car. And I get out of the car and say, wait, what the fuck are you doing? And he rings the police. I say, who are you? And who are you working for? He's got his big long lens camera. He says, I'm a journalist. I said, all right. But the point I'm making is, journalists follow me. They've been outside my house. They've been outside my mum's house. They've harassed my whole family, yeah? So the point I'm making outside this Leeds Crown Court to journalists is, these men, 30 of them, have been on bail for two years. I've done my research and found out that they are still running chicken shops, yeah? They still have close contact with children going into the chicken shops. They're on bail for raping children in their chicken shops, yeah? So I say to the journalists, instead of harassing me, harass them, follow them, go find them, follow their families. That's what I say, yeah? When it, when it, when it comes to kids, you, you're seeing a lot of this stuff in the schools, right? This is everywhere. The indoctrination of the schools. Indoctrination of schools, but... It, With it, the kids in, in the British schools, it's like America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, te they're teaching it. It's normal. It's normal, yeah. It's normal. But then he, when, when, I say this to, when I say this in the video, what she done yeah. in court, she said, and I was sent to jail for calling for violent vigilante attacks against those men, the Muslim men. So when I, st when I sat in jail, I thought, well, I didn't do that. How can you say I did it? I've done that? Because there's no jury. I've never had a jury. You know, you think you get tried by 12 months. I've never had a jury. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm sitting in jail watching this video. And where I was talking to the media, they just cut it to me saying, harass them, find them, get them. So they took the bit of me talking to the media and she's told the country and so have the media that I was asking my supporters to commit vigilante attacks. So as I said, this, this documentary is just to show you, I went off on one there, I'll continue to go off on one. But that's because lawfare, I've, been, I've experienced it for 15 years. The media and the media are the weapon of them. So if we had an unbiased, fair media, they wouldn't be able to tell lies like that because the media would say, well, he didn't say that. And the, the, the journalists would be questioning the government and the courts, but they just parrot whatever they want. And then people are sent to jail wrongfully. Um, as I said, I'll probably be, I'll be in jail by the end of March again. I mean, you know, speaking of the gay, you know, gay people and, and the trannies, you, were, you, were, you know, the grooming and stuff like that. There's a lot of gay people uh, here in the UK. Uh, being from the UK yourself, uh, are you afraid that some of that UK gayness is in your genes? It's in my genes. It's in your genes. We met earlier in the gay bar. Didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I come to no. meet him. He's in the gay bar. No, but I'm just saying. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Spun that one on you and I. No, 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 but, but, no, but, no, but honestly, honestly, uh, aren't you? Do you know when I got? No, out? No, but, but, no, but honestly, okay. I, 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 are you afraid that uh, you know that your you know that your kids might be born with the virus? <laughs> what virus? The UK gayness. <laughs> the UK gayness. No, I'm not. I'm not afraid of that. Uh, my kids are 12, 14, 16, they're certainly not gay. Oh, you're right, yeah. Well, they, we got, you, got, you got a tough day. Do you know if I go out clubbing? Do you know? You know well, I don't go out clubbing anymore, I'm 41. But when, when, 40, when I was leading the English Defence League, when I went out, I just went to gay clubs. Do you know why? Why? Because there was no Muslims in them. <laughs> I could relax. I knew I will not get back and get hurt. 
So, <laughs> I'm a good-looking guy, so I always had to watch myself in there. But you're a pretty traditional guy, too. You're not right. like a feminine, you don't wear, like, makeup. Like, you're like a real, you know, you're like a tough guy. I could, I could sense that, you know. You're like a traditional. Would you, would you call yourself traditional? As, I, I just, in, in talks men, of masculinity, are you, are you, would you consider yourself a traditional masculine British man? Yes. Irishman? Englishman. Englishman. Mm. But you have an Irish also. My mum's Irish, yeah. But I'm, Eng I'm an Englishman. Well, well, do you think it's okay for a man to ever put his hands on a woman if she cooked him a bad dinner? You ought to see the dinners I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Tell me, you know. <laughs> You're not easy, She's bro. still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who follows me on social media, I've showed you what Jenny used to cook like. <laughs> I divorced her. That's why I divorced her. Yeah, I not, divorced her. Do you know how much shit I put up with, the, with her? Yeah. <laughs> my my, my, my ex-wife was a total saint. Yeah. And I was a total arsehole the whole way through the marriage. <laughs> uh, could you name three, well, as a traditional man, could you name uh, three good qualities about women Aside from the fact that uh, some they, some could give good blowjobs, yeah, they can. Well, my wax one can. I was going to say they can cook, clean, all the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. One more. I, I think that three um, qualities. Three qualities. Three qualities. Yeah. These us two. Yeah, that's all there is. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think that women have a women have a wonderful role to play, uh, <laughs> but I do think that it, it, that we should, we do, we have separate roles. And I think women have a wonderful role to play this as mothers. I think every woman should be a mother. I think first and foremost, when you're talking about things, and I'd, some people would say that's misogynistic. It's like, no, first and foremost, the job is to be a mother. Yeah. My mum made sure that she didn't work. I don't, think that, I don't think we should be encouraging women that they, all of them have to work every hour under the sun. I think that when you have a child, that's your job. Your job is to be there for your... For, and I know people say, well, how can they afford to do that? Well, society's pushed that on purpose because the, they want the state to bring your children up. I don't think we should be embarrassed to saying that mum should be with the children. A mum should be at home with the children. And, and I made sure that my, the mother of my children, um, while she took work, she did work, she only worked when the children were at school. And I think that, first and foremost, that's the most important role a woman can play in, in this world. What would you say to, to Muslims? Because that... There's a, you know, in reality, there's a lot of moderate Muslims yep. that, that love, you know, for example, that have fled Iran, you know, there, there are Muslims that come here from countries where they fled a corrupt government yeah. and extremism. Oh, I'd say they fled Islam. Huh? I'd say people who left Iran were fleeing the consequence of Islam, Islam being implemented on society. But well, what would you say to a lot of moderate Muslims who, who actually may understand what you're saying because they fled from uh, the Middle East? What would you say to them if they were, if this is their first, because first time listening Because there's, there's possible a lot of those Muslims actually also would understand, Arabs oh, and yeah. Iranians would actually I'd say that, empathize with you. I'd say that I don't hate you. I don't hate you at all. Um, I speak about an ideology. Um, I differentiate between people and an idea. If I was to, if you were to hate Muslim people, that's that's seriously wrong and seriously bad. But if you have a strong belief against an ideology, whether it be the Quran or whether you want to talk about Muhammad, then that's a, your God-given right, and it deserves every criticism, every mockery, all those things. So I separate Muslims, and I, and I say I have love for Muslims. I want them to experience freedom. I want the Muslim women or Muslim girls that are born in this country. We've had fifty-five thousand of them have had, have had female genital mutilation. They're, then they're not experiencing the freedoms that young British girls should be experiencing. 
they should be free and we shouldn't be ashamed of saying that. I would love every Muslim to be free from Islam. So I welcome every one of you. Leave Islam today. Right? I know it's difficult because you're mums and dads, but I know most of you don't actually believe in half of that bullshit. But your religion is not like a buffet. You can't take the good bits and ignore the bad bits. The bad bits are that bad that they should drive you to leave. And, and do you, Come and join us. Do, <laughs> so so, so the, leader of, the leader of the UK, like in Germany, it's Chancellor, in America, it's the President. What, what's the leader called here in the UK? Rishi Sunak, Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Prime Minister, yeah. yeah. So the Prime Minister, R Rishi, right? Rishi, yeah. Yeah, he spoke about you like a week ago. Uh, two days ago. No, it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, yesterday. Is, does he take off? He's Indian, correct? Yep, he's a... Indian background. Indian background, yeah. And does he... But he's like a globalist, man. His parents are billion... His missus' parents are billionaires. Like, he's very far detached from the life we're from. Do you view him as someone who loves British culture or does he want to make... Uh, this, uh, you know, great India. No, I don't believe he wants to make it great India. I just don't think he actually gives a shit about us. Um, I think, I watched a podcast today by Swella Braverman. I think Swella Braverman could be the answer to a lot of this country's problems. I think that she could reinstall faith. Uh, at the minute, there's a massive disconnect between the British public and, poli and politicians, as well as the police, uh, the two-tier police in the Metropolitan Police Force. And I think that Swella Braveman could really lead this country in a great way. Um, I think that, I think she's very strong. She doesn't back down. Um, and I think that she cares. Whereas I don't think Rishi Sunak gives a shit. So yeah, my thing, so Swella Braveman was the Home Secretary who come out and made comments about the Metropolitan Police Force being, be, being a two-tier policing and, and acting favorably towards certain communities and being weak on the Islamic, Islamist extremism. And she lost her job for that. Is there a lot of tension in the UK between Indians and that are not Muslim and then the Muslim community? There's tensions between the Muslim community and every community. So the, the, the Muslim, members of the Muslim community targeted the Sikh community in the 70s for raping their daughters like they do ours. The Sikh community had to set up a nationwide gang called Sula Punjab, SP, where the temple men were put forward from each temple to protect the girls. So if a Sikh girl's kidnapped, because girls are kidnapped every day in this country by Muslim gangs. They're kidnapped, taken away for days, yeah? Every day, in every town sea. I know that sounds incredible. People need to read the Rotherham Report. They need to understand the figures. Again, as we're, on a, we're, we're talking to an American audience, I, I made a five-part series. It's called The Rape of Britain. You can find it on Rumble, where I sit down and talk to victims of these gangs. And we tell, each story tells a girl sto uh, one of the girl's stories. Now, Telford is a small town in the UK. It has a 1.7% Muslim population. This is the town that I focused on for my work to tell this story, because it's a small town. The police investigation in Telford identified 200 Muslim men that had been involved in the raping of the children. There's only, there's only like three, three and a half thousand Muslims in that town. Once you get rid of the women and get rid of the under 16s, yeah, you're talking about a thousand Muslim men. Well, the police have identified 200 of them. We identified 254. The independent inquiry identified 350, roughly. Yeah? That means basically the minimum of 20% and up to 35% of the Muslim men in that town were raping our children. We're not talking about a couple of men here. We're talking about astronomical numbers. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of young girls in this country have been raped, terrorised. And um, they targeted the Sikhs, but the Sikhs formed a resistance to it. Loads of Sikhs are in jail and have been in jail for fighting back. And uh, they, went, they went for the next easy target. They started hitting the white girls. Would, There's no resistance. Would you be okay with Muslims 
getting citizenship here if they respected your culture, traditions, and laws? Would I now? Uh, there if, are many Muslims here that there are many Muslims here that I would not want to leave this country who respect our laws, who are decent. But you, I, don't, you, I, you I believe think, you think that's that's a part of your reputation that's misunderstood. Um, it's because I have such strong beliefs against Islamic ideology. And the reason I have such strong beliefs, and for some reason, you can't have strong beliefs against Islamic ideology without everyone saying you hate every Muslim. Whereas you can despise Christianity and, and it's celebrated, yeah? People can are celebrated who are atheists and attack Christianity and no one blurs the lines that they must hate every Christian. No one blurs the lines. Yeah? They're allowed to do that. They then create it. Islam is a protected ideology yeah. where they give it protection from criticism. And why should we criticise it? Again, for anyone, I sit and speak to Muslims. Most Muslims don't understand Islam. Most Muslims don't know much about Muhammad, really. Most of them. Most of them are born, I'd say, they're cultural Muslims, born into it. Yeah? They might go mosque at Eid. Yeah? If they do, they might go on a Friday. Right? And they might take the good bits, which is, look, if you can take some good bits of an ideology and it helps you progress your life and live a peaceful life, not drinking alcohol, certain values, um, charity, keep it um, families, because they're very family, community-based. If you can take those things, then great. But you cannot ignore the growth of Islam, because what comes with that is the oppression, the separation, the segregation, the violence, the hostility, the rapes, all of these things, which are other fundamental parts. And, and don't... don't People are like, yeah, well, Muhammad, Jesus. No, don't ever name them two together. Yeah, because Muhammad beheaded 600 people in one day, a Jewish tribe. I, I had a debate yesterday, two days ago, with a lady on a podcast. She's a Muslim lady. And we were talking about, in Islamic scripture, it talks about when Muhammad, 600 Jews have surrendered. Yeah, And Kinana was the leader of the Jewish tribe. And he sets fire to Kanana's stomach. Muhammad does, because he was such a prophet. Yeah? Sets fire to Kanana's stomach because he wants to torture him out of his gold. So he wants his gold because he's because he's a fucking pirate, basically. Yeah? He's robbing his gold. So he take so he tortures him. Now then, then he beheads him, right? And he beheads the he beheads the whole tribe, yeah. But and they take the women as sexual slaves. Now Kanana's wife, Sophia, yeah, he marries her that night. So does anyone think she willfully married him? He fucks her that night. So he rapes her that night. Prophet, like prophet, really? And then you know what she said? She said that because this was her argument to this, she loved him. She saw that he was the actual prophet. And I said, so hold on a minute, because her boyfriend, her husband, her partner was sat there. I said, someone comes in right now and beheads your partner. Yeah? In what world are you actually marrying him that night and sleeping with him? You, are you saying you would? Well, if I knew he was the actual prophet of, of Allah, I would. I said, you're just finding excuses for his barbarianism. He was a barbarian. He was a warlord. He was a pirate. He was a thief. He was everything that's immoral in the world. He had married a six-year-old. He had raped her when she was nine. This is not a good man. Yeah? So if we have a society where our government are encouraging Islam, they're pushing it. We're allowing every mosque in this country to push the Quran. We're allowing people to be told that Muhammad is a great moral compass. And then we're scratching our head when bombs are going off and people are getting beheaded. You think it's the Jews' fault that the that this has happened? Everything's the Jews' fault. <laughs> <laughs> if it rains, it's the Jews' fault. <laughs> yeah. 
know. It's like, it's like, mate. I didn't how, say that. I didn't how, say that. He said that. How? I didn't say that. So that would be cut, isn't it? How yeah, is no, it? No. How well, is I'm a, Jewish. I, 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 if I say that, I'm a Zionist. Yeah. I'm how is October you know, the 7th? Assad. You say how, it's, you're how, a British guy. How so. is October the 7th yeah. now being blamed on the Jews? Yeah. It's like you've twisted everything. Now it's the Jews. Well, do you, well would you blame... Uh, like Nick Fuentes, yep. he's this uh, a homosexual. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he's a popular homosexual uh, podcaster but in the United States. I thought, how do we know he's homosexual? I thought he's a virgin. That's true. He might be. I don't know. He's he's, he's known as Micro Penis Nick, and uh, and Micro Penis Nick uh, has this theory that all the the Arabs that have come here, for example, that have raped your women and uh, disrespected your culture and hate your country, maybe. Uh, they were sent here by the Jews. Yep. What do you think? I've heard the, I've heard, I've heard there are the argument that the Jews are the people, that it's certain that Jews. Have, that have sent them, the Arabs, to rape your women. And yeah, hate yeah. this country. And, and then they don't, that's not well, just, that's not the only, the argument is that um, I've been hired by the Jews, yeah, to cause friction against the Muslims because I, because they want people to hate the Muslims. So, I'm making people hate the Muslims, not the beheading of Lee Rigby, the blowing up of Ariana Grande, not any of the 19,000 jihad attacks that have happened or terrorist attacks that have happened since September the 11th. Nothing like that. Not all the rapes or all the terrorism or all the herring gangs or all the violence and all the racism and extremism. Not all of that, but me. I've been hired by the Jews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. Oh, it's been, I, 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 you, know, you know, Tommy, honestly, I think... Like, as I've gotten to know you even outside of the camera, you're actually a pretty reasonable person. And I, and I would say to any of the Muslims that, that are watching, I don't view him as a bigot. You know, I, I don't, I am Jewish. I, I have Muslims in my family. My grandfather's name was Muhammad. I don't view him as a bigot. I think he has really firm views on another faith. And he doesn't need to agree with you on your faith. You don't need to agree with him on his faith. I think he's just a man that wants his country respected. I think he's a man that wants his laws, culture, and tradition respected. If you're in Germany, my wife is German, and you're in Germany and you hate German culture, but you came from Syria to Germany just to take all the resources and hate their culture, their tradition, not respect their law, disregard their women, of course you're not going to be welcomed. You know, whereas a lot of Iranians that left Iran that are also Muslim, uh, they come to the West and they're very appreciative because they've seen how oppressive and nasty those regimes are. All the ones wanting Sharia law. 40% of British Muslims want Sharia law. 40%. 40% of British Muslims want Sharia law. 40,000 British Muslims want a terror watch list. I mean, right now in Iran, you have Iranian women that are fighting for freedom, man. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't think... And then you have women here wanting to give freedom away. We, we, we have never... It's like... And all the people wanting Sharia law have never lived under it. Well, Well... Go live under it. You seem like you're very, like, uh, I would say, emotionally intelligent. So I want to test you on your emotional intelligence. Yeah, well, go on. All right. Um, it's not going to be just, about gayness again, is it? No, I mean, no, no. I, I want to I test your emotional intelligence and prove to the world that you're actually a good man. Go on. So please be serious, all right? But, okay, so do an emotional test to prove that you're a good man. If a woman makes you coffee the wrong way, what, do you, what do you do? Hold Killer. on. A, punch her in the chin. B, make her sleep outside that night. C, break up with her. 
Or D, tell her as long as she sucks you off, there's no problem. Can I take the Islamic perspective on this? Surah 4 verse... <laughs> How did I go to that? Can I? Surah 4, I think it's Surah 4 verse 24. It says, if the woman does not obey you, yeah. then speak to her. Yeah? Then, this is what it says in the Quran. Yeah, again, I'll just get my Islamic perspective in. Then it says, if she doesn't, if she doesn't make it, so say, say your wife, mate, say this example, she's giving me a shit coffee and I'm a Muslim, yeah? I'll open up the Quran, I'll go to 4.24, and it says, if she doesn't obey you and she's done something wrong, talk to her. So I'll try and talk to her. If that doesn't work, do not pleasure her in the bedroom. So don't fuck her, yeah? And if that doesn't work, the words in the Quran say, beat her. So, no... If I was following Islam and she made me a shit coffee, I'd probably beat her up. But I don't follow Islam. I believe in equality and I believe in women's rights and I would never hit a woman. So, um, well, well, But I don't drink coffee either. So if, it, if she made me hit a, hot, a shit hot chocolate, we'd be going down a different route. There'd be a whole another ball game. But. Well, the answer is D. Uh, and that's actually... Uh, what was D? What was D? Well, that, that's, well, that's Alpha King rule number 618, which is most issues with women uh, can be handled with a blowjob. But now in 2024, is it you giving her a blowjob or her giving you a blowjob? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Do you always tell her as long as she can suck you off? There's no problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. So we, we, we've, we've covered quite a few things here. We've covered quite a few things here. Just uh, Is there any questions in the, in, the, in, the, in the chat? I mean, we could ask How's the chat looking? Let me have a look. So, someone says it's shaking too much. Who, me? Uh, no, I, I, I think the, the, the camera was shaking too much. Is that me shaking? Someone keeps kicking the camera or something. That much probably my feet down here. Because that's probably the me camera, going, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, was it you? No, it was you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I blame me, bro. All right, so we can answer some questions here. Go on, then. Q&A. Uh, let's see. Did you eat? Did you eat? What'd you have? Cajun chicken. Was it good? It was all right. The chips were nice. Were they? I didn't have chips. I just had vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Just meat and veg. All right, so the Royal Drop Short says, uh, blame the politicians. Getting women out to work was uh, part of their growth agenda. Of course, because they want double the amount of tax. That's what it's about. They don't just want double the amount of tax. They want to bring your children up. They want you working every hour under the sun so you don't have a positive influence in your kid's life. So they get to indoctrinate your child to tell them that they can be a girl or a boy when they can't. They get to put rainbows all over the school and then they get to tell your child what's right and wrong rather than you doing it. So as I said, I believe a woman, I believe, I'm not saying a woman's place. Um, I think I said to my daughter the other day, the way she looked at me, she was talking about work and that. I said, well, you only work till you have a kid anyway. Because once you have a kid, you're a mum. You didn't need to be a mum. Most important thing. And, and you, have a, you have a documentary out now, right? You had, a big, you had a big documentary in the United States called Silenced that got you quite a bit of attention, respect. It was, I think um, it, was, it was premiered, premiered at a cinema, I think, General Flynn made some great comments about it. Um, lots of people made some great comments about it. That film, I actually was given an injunction. So I'm not allowed to put that film out. I get to, I'm, I'm awaiting now two years in prison for that. So I was contacted again. That's separate to the thing I'm in court for next month. The, so basically, there was a story in the UK, in the media, that said a Syrian refugee was waterboarded and racially bullied. Now, I got, I got told, just to I'll gloss over it, I got told it was a lie, we're being lied to, Parents contacted me from the school. I made a video saying, look, the media are lying to you. This, this news story went worldwide. The whole thing was a lie. I then wore a covert camera and I went knocking on school teachers' doors and I found out that the school teachers were paid to lie. And I got them all on camera 
saying, Tommy, they paid us, yeah? One teacher got 18,000 pounds. They bought their silence so they could push this lie. That, and what become apparent is because this lie pushed open border immigration, it made the Syrian refugee a victim. It made the English children white racist. You, you had to reverse the whole story. The whole thing was a lie. I then went to court. They prosecuted me. They, they bankrupt me for 1.6 million pounds for this. Yeah, wow. they bankrupt me for one. The, the, the whole thing is in the film. So I made a film about it. I produced all the covert recordings to the judge that proved my innocence, that proved what I said was true. Like I said, the boy, the Syrian refugee threatened to stab someone, and I said he beats up girls. What we find out from the school records are he gets caught with a knife and screwdriver in school. He stabbed another pupil. The woman, the teacher used the word stabbed. I get the, the pupil on camera. He drew blood. He beat another child up. He spat at another girl. He attacked another girl with a hockey stick. So I got done for defaming him when what I said was actually less than what he's actually done. Yeah? But I didn't get done by a jury, I got done by a judge. Now, when I produced all these covert recordings that totally proved the case, uh, he listed, the judge listed all the covert recordings and gave me a legal injunction that if they're ever released, I get two years in jail. Wow. So the film was leaked in the United States. So I didn't put the film out, it was leaked in the United States. And my government contacted me, my lawyers in November, just gone for legal response to my, what's my response to the accusations and that they're looking at prosecuting me for contempt of court. So I will be put before a judge when, the, when they get round to it and right. I'll probably get two years in jail for that. Uh, 1980, 1982, Sturgis asks, did you meet Trump? I didn't meet Trump. I'd love to meet Trump. I hope one day to meet Trump. Um, yeah. Well, Tommy asks, will Tommy join Britain first and stand? So, I believe my role is in media. I'm passionate about media. I believe I can make people think different ways and challenge their views. I've also had a close eye on Rochdale. Um, Britain first and Paul Golding is far more political than myself. Uh, he's run a political party for so many years. I remember when I stood in Manchester for European elections. I remember the difficulty in the whole other side of it. Going out and talking is great for me. Doing videos is great for me. Um, investigating things is great for me, but the whole political side isn't. So I didn't see that, but if uh, then I saw that Rochdale was about to be taken over by an Islamic party in the upcoming election. I said, if that happens, or by November, I'm gonna, be out, I'm gonna go to jail and be back out of jail, I believe, by May. When I come out of jail in May, um, I'll assess everything. But I did look at the option and have had discussions with Paul Golden about the option of possibly um, standing in the election to take back Rochdale or to... You see, if I, if I was in charge of a town, I'd just walk into that town and say every one of them are leaving, yeah? In the sense of I will get every one of them out of the hotels. Because every hotel now is full of these migrant men. Women are being raped by the men in multiple cities. So they've bought them in, 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 in Skegness, for example. They've bought, filled all the hotels. And then a the local woman's been raped by one of the refugees brought in. They should not be there. So um, I believe that things have shifted in this country and the public are ready now for the sorts of things I've been talking about for years. Uh, Time have, will tell. Uh, one more question here. Uh, have GB News responded to you after the petrol bomb claim? GB News haven't. They never responded to me after the claim to where they said that I was throwing things at police officers. Again, a lie. Petrol bomb claim, a lie. The GB News are not pro-free speech. They've never given me a right to reply, that, yet they continuously lie about me. I have a long list of people who I have already tracked where they're at, but I currently am not allowed in London because I go straight to jail. When I get the opportunity, there will be cameras in faces and I'll be asking questions. And so uh, so where, where could everybody find you and get the new documentary and show you support? 
You can find me on Twitter, but you will have to put my direct Twitter handle in because I'm shadow banned. It's at T Robinson New Era. So you have to put the whole thing in because if you just put Tommy Robinson, it doesn't bring up my account. So although, although I've, I'm back on Twitter, you can't find me, which is pretty frustrating because my work or my, my content, I believe a lot of the people in the British public would like to see it, especially the upcoming documentary I've got out called Lawfare, where I think I'll be, I'll be in jail when the, when the documentary gets released. People won't be able to find it. It's, it's pretty infuriating. But yeah, that's where I am on Twitter. I'm on, uh, and I've got Urban Scoop News. Is the com- Urban Scoop is the company I work for as a journalist. Um, yeah, and my Rumble channel, Tommy Robinson Official. So give me a follow. Right, well, thank you so much, John. Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks. Really, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bro. All right, guys. Thank you all thanks for tuning for in. in. Uh, please subscribe, like, and share. And uh, check out uh, Tommy Robinson.